Rugby on the Raw. Hi everyone, Brett McKay from the Raw Rugby Podcast here again, and Harry Jones and I will be back next week to kick off another massive season of weekly pods and instant reactions, and suddenly it's getting very, very close. Until then, and once again, the Raw's rugby editor, Christy Doran, has continued his series of pre-season chats, working his way around the Australian Super Rugby Pacific franchises for a conversation with their respective head coaches. If you've not checked them out already, make sure you go back and check out the great chats with Kevin Foote and Darren Coleman, the aim of these chats being to bring us all closer to the Super Rugby teams and gain a unique insight into who these coaches are. You'll learn something once again with this next chat, and we obviously hope that you enjoy them over the next few weeks before Harry and I return with the weekly pods for the start of the Super Rugby Pacific season. So with thanks to theraw.com.au, Australia's biggest sporting debate, here's Christy Doran again with the latest edition of his pre-season chats with ACT Brumbies head coach Stephen Larkham. Rugby on the Raw. Well, welcome back to the Raw Rugby Podcast. It's a great honour to join by a man that knows, needs no introduction, and that man is Stephen Larkham. Stephen, does it feel like here we go again? Um, is it the same desk that you were sitting at previously? It is. It is. Uh, no, it's not. It's not sort of um, that familiar. I think we've had a lot of transformation as an organisation since I was here, sort of back in 2017. Um, We've got really good coaches. The organisation's um, in a really healthy state financially at the moment. Um, yeah, there, there, there's some familiarity around um, the office in terms of where I sit. Um, but outside of that, there's new signs on the walls. The gym has developed um, since I was here last. It's expanded. Uh, we've got a women's program that's now associated with the building and, the, and our program. Um, so, yeah, there's, I mean, I've personally gone through significant growth, um, both here in Australia and living in Ireland. Um, and I think the program's certainly gone through significant growth. First thing that struck me when I came in here was that there's a, a big poster sitting behind you and this is a, a little office space next to your desk and it's got the quarterfinal GIO Stadium, Canberra, Brumbies and Hurricanes. That was your last um, last match as head coach of the Brumbies before returning and it was a particularly frustrating one, I imagine. Um, did, you, did you remember that poster or know that poster was going to be here when you walked in? No, and I, I probably didn't realise that was the case until you just brought it up just then. It's that could be that could be the last scrum of the game that determined our fate in the game as well. We sort of had them on toast there, and we were fairly dominant. And the referee at the time refused to give us a penalty, uh, which would have won us the game and, and pushed us through the semi-finals. Um, yeah, that was an interesting year. Thank, thanks for bringing it up. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Um, yeah, it kind of finished on a bit of a sour note for us. We, we sort of started to roll towards the finals. Um, we had a lot of injuries at the start of that year. Thomas Cabelli um, got injured sort of in the warm-up game against the Waratahs. Um, we had Lassie Taliuli also get injured early. A couple of other injuries, significant injuries through the year and, and guys missing significant game time. And it was all starting to come together right at the end of the season for us. And then yeah, an unnamed referee didn't help us. Yeah, referees. I, I liked the little um, 
Eddie Jones in his press conference returning a bit over a week ago um, said that the, uh, the referee still still thinking about the decision that he made in, in Melbourne last year um, with the Wallabies and All Black. Mm. Um, how do you reflect in your first few years as a head coach at the Brumbies? Because you came in and pretty quickly um, Jake White is there and then he, he moves on and then yourself and Laurie and then yourself. How, how do you reflect on the four or five years that you were with the Brumbies the first up? Um, it's been a while since I've reflected on it. Um, I guess coming into that position uh, was a bit of a shock. I wasn't really expecting to be promoted into the head coach role that soon um, into my coaching career. Um, and the, yeah, we sort of experimented with a lot of things. I guess um, the challenge for me through that period um, was that I was doing both jobs. So the very first year, 2014, when I took over as head coach, we had a really good pre-season, off-season, where Laurie and myself, um, trying to think who the other coaches were at the time, but certainly Laurie and myself, um, Dan, were sort of in and around the program at that stage. Uh, we were experimenting with a lot of stuff. It was a really exciting time because you sort of get to know the players really well um, through lots of one-on-one -on -one time, but also... You know, playing around with the way that we want to play the game and um, coming up with lots of new drills that we're still using today. Um, so that was sort of an inventive little period there for us. And then on the back of that 2014 season, I I became an assistant. Well, I joined the Wallabies as an assistant coach. Um, and so I was kind of doing both roles right up until 2018, um, it was a World Cup in 2015 with the Wallabies. Then it was straight out of that into the Brumbies pre-season, sort of from January, had a couple of weeks off, and then straight into the Brumbies pre-season in January. And then did the same process at the end of that year, um, came out of the Brumbies program, straight into the Wallaby program, had a couple of weeks off over December, and then straight back into the Brumbies program. So it was quite... I guess the first year was very enjoyable. The years after that um, were very enjoyable as well, but the, the schedule, the travel schedule was just hectic and it became ridiculously fatiguing on me. Um, and, you know, reflecting back in hindsight, it was something I shouldn't have done as a, as a, as a new head coach. You really want to dedicate as much time as you can to becoming better as a head coach and, and I I just didn't have the time. I didn't find any sort of downtime. I was in rugby programs the whole time. So whilst it was great in terms of my growth um, around coaching players and teams and units, um, it was very detrimental to my head coaching because I didn't get the opportunity to sort of sit back and see the bigger picture enough. Did, did you ever... Uh... I was, I was driving down here, and it's, it's quite a drive from from Sydney. And and I was speaking to one or two people, and I said to them, oh, "Bernie could have taken the easier route, maybe, and joined you guys in the commentary box." Did you did you ever think that you'd go down that route? And, Definitely and, not. No. Definitely not. <laughs> what, what what drew you into coaching then to begin with, though? Uh, yeah, I mean, that's I guess. You know, I've been in the game a long time. Um, my family, my dad was a rugby player as well, so he played over 300 great games for West and Canberra. And I sort of grew up in the West Club in Canberra, so it was sort of running through my veins at an early age. Um, 
and I guess I've got a really good understanding of the game, um, sort of, you know, being one of the competitive, passionate kids in the junior levels and sort of captaining all my teams all the way through. Um, I prided myself in sort of being that kid who knew everything about rugby. Um, and then got into the senior ranks and, you know, as a junior player in the team when it first started, someone who was sort of on the fringe and not necessarily a standout player, I was very quiet, um, shy. That's that's my natural nature anyway. Um, and you eventually get to the point where you become one of the senior players in the team and you start to take more of a leadership role and you're explaining more of the strategy to the rest of the playing group. Um, and it became a pretty natural transition for me then to sort of move into coaching because I had a really good understanding. I would have been in the game for so long and I'd taken that leadership role in the team as a player. So went to Japan, sort of finished up my career in Australia and went over to Japan, um, played three years over at Rico and effectively over there, Toddy Loudon was our head coach, thought he was an excellent head coach. Um, he effectively made me um, the backs coach at the time as well. So I was playing um, as a fullback and a 5'8", sort of flitting between the two positions over there, but but also really in charge of the way that we played um, and, and certainly from a backline point of view, um, all of the strategies around our set-piece plays. So naturally sort of had a little bit of a taste of it in terms of the coaching over in Japan. And then I was getting fairly homesick um, three years over there. We lived in a really nice spot and Rico as a club were fantastic. Um, sort of living in Tokyo, right on the outskirts of Tokyo. It was, you know, it was, it was an amazing place to live in, but I was certainly a bit homesick, sort of growing up on a farm and being away from the family was more difficult than I thought it was going to be. My family were coping pretty well over there. So we had two young daughters and my wife, they were coping pretty well over there. We had a really good expat community that we, we hung out with. Uh, and then the job came up at the Brumbies just as an assistant coach and I thought that would be a great way to get back into Australia, not necessarily to be a full-time mm. coach, just to get back into Canberra and sort of be around the family. And then, you know, the idea was what, what sort of small business can we start up? Um, what are we interested in? So we're sort of looking at those propositions whilst coming back and, you know, taking a one-year option to be with the Brumbies as an assistant coach. And then... Um, I like it. It was enjoyable. Being in a in a rugby team is very enjoyable. All the camaraderie that you have, um, the experiences that you go through, the travel. Um, it, it really is a good life. It, it's hard. It, the work is hard. It's long hours. Um, that was a shock, I guess, <laughs> coming from my playing career where, sure, I was coaching over there, but it was sort of all in my head. I could just turn up on the field and um, tell them what I wanted to do or what I thought we should do. Um, whereas when you get into full-time coaching, there's a lot more preparation. You've obviously got to work with other people, and in order to work with other people, there's meetings upon meetings upon meetings. Um, so the hours were ridiculously long and the pay was ridiculously small um, compared to where I'd come from as a player. Um, so I was sort of grinding it out for a couple of years there. Um, and, and as a family as well, we were sort of grinding it out. Oh, we obviously had savings and investments and all that sort of stuff. I wouldn't say I was struggling, um, but it, it was certainly um, a challenge in those first couple of years in terms of um, the amount of hours that we were working um, as coaches. 
but that probably didn't deter me. Um, it was it was still a really enjoyable environment. Um, it was a challenge that um, I understood in terms of teaching, basically teaching other players how to play and, and get them all on the same page. I really enjoyed that environment. I really enjoyed that challenge of, of trying to make people better and sort of stuck with it. And um, Jake White sort of took over. So my first year was with Andy Friend and, and Laurie and Jake White came in um, the year after that and he sort of, you know, we, we obviously had a lot of chats about rugby and he saw my potential as a coach and he sort of stated early on that he was he was hoping that I would be his successor at the Brumbies. Um, so that sort of set the path for me to, to take over after he he stepped away. Uh, and then it was just all of a whirlwind, I guess. It was sort of stepping into that head coaching role well before I was ready to jump into a head coaching role um, and then trying to fill both of those roles um, with the Wallabies and the Brumbies became too big a task for me. So, you know, really getting away and getting over to Munster coaching over there for three years as a senior coach gave me an opportunity to reflect on super rugby, gave me an opportunity to reflect on, you know, who I am as a person, the values that I have in life and how it all intertwines into um, putting a good program together. And that's what we're, that's what we're trying to do here at the moment. Um, yeah. And, and I guess, you know, what comes with that now at the Brumbies is, is a really good program that's already been put in place. Um, outstanding players and an outstanding staffing group. You said that it, um, as a player, things came naturally to you, and it certainly looked like that when we watched you play. Um, there's a perception, whether or not it's accurate or not, that that great players don't always make great coaches. And Greg Chappell was someone, the, the cricketer, who people thought, geez, what a, you know, it just happened so easily for him out there have you like do you ever subscribe to that do you think it's completely a myth or what how do you feel when people kind of have that saying about no it's just a different path i think from my perspective and and look i can't talk for everyone but from my perspective it's just a different path to those people who weren't necessarily good players or played at all and they have gone into the coaching ranks they're probably those people who are good in other areas like good with leadership, good with speaking in front of people, good with getting everyone on the same page. Hmm. I have a background of understanding rugby and that's what gives me a bit of respect in the game. Um, and I'm working on the other areas. Uh, I guess, you know, when I sort of talk about my early years with the Brumbies, I was fairly shy and quiet. I guess that's what that's what I was growing up. Um, and what comes with that, what comes with being sort of introverted is an ability to listen and understand other people. And I think I picked that up pretty early doors as a player, um, sort of understanding the team dynamic, understanding other people really well. And that's probably carried me really well into the coaching ranks as well. So I come at it from a, from a different perspective, um, but I'm also naturally very competitive and I can't really get to the source of that. Like I've tried to deep dive into why I'm so competitive with everything. Like I, I have to sort of win everything. Um, so with that comes a lot of growth. I'm, I'm constantly trying to improve and, and, you know, identify where I'm weak as a coach, what I need to work on and, and go about trying to work on those whilst at the same time maintain a really strong program here 
and and you said earlier that there was a bit of you that you grew um, from the shy player to growing with leadership and perhaps you're standing within the side at the time. When was this? Late 90s, you're already a World Cup winner then, but is it early 2000s? Um, yeah, mid-2000s, I would say. Yeah. Um, yeah, early to mid-2000s. So I guess within the Wallaby ranks, yeah, after 99, that, that um, probably solidified in my mind what position I wanted to play. I was still sort of flitting between only, only recently moving out of halfback to outside centre with the Brumbies to fullback and then into 5'8", and certainly gained a lot of confidence um, a little bit before the World Cup, but out, you know, through the World Cup. And then with with that confidence in that position comes a fair bit of expectation and accountability and, and you know, in the playmaking role there in most teams around the world, that's, that's a pretty significant mm. leadership role. And... Um, I just started to step up in terms of my communication. I wouldn't say that I was a great presenter in meetings, but I knew what I was talking about, which gave me a lot of confidence. Um, and certainly on the field, that's where I sort of took most of the leadership. Um, so sort of from, I'd say, early 2000s with the Brumbies outfit, I was I was very confident as a leader, but I had really good players around me, and that, that also builds confidence um, in your psyche. So, uh, yeah, sort of 2001, we, we won. I, I reckon I had some pretty good players around me then and, and it was 2002 onwards. That, that the confidence of both 99 World Cup and 2001 Super Rugby led to me being a little bit more confident and a better leader on the field um, post that. Um, and then, yeah, finding my feet as a coach, I think the, the experience over in Munster, you know, the, the opportunity to go over there and coach um, effectively two to three seasons in one year over there compared to Super Rugby playing um, anywhere upwards of 30 games over there. So you get you get a great opportunity to develop as a coach. I, I'd certainly recommend it to any young aspiring coach to, to coach as many games as possible. Um, and that environment over there is, is a really good one with the different competitions that you play in, the di different environments, the different players that you're working with. Um, I felt that I really grew as a coach over there and... and most of that was because I got a lot of time to reflect on what I'd done here at the Brumbies prior to that. Is there a coach, you've been, you're coached by many great ones and then worked alongside a lot too. Um, is there a coach in particular that's had the biggest effect on your coaching style or um, something that you've taken out that, that you particularly liked? Uh, look, I've been involved in lots of good coaches. Um, Eddie was one of my early coaches, Rod McQueen, um, but all the coaches that I've sort of worked with, you know, Czech, Andy Friend, Laurie. Um, I'm sure I'm missing a couple of big important ones here. Um, but they've all had an influence, you know, Toddy Loudon for a couple of years over in Japan. Those guys, when you sort of work under them for a long period of time, they, they naturally rub off on you. A little bit and you take little bits out of all of those experiences so yeah i've certainly garnered lots of different bits of knowledge from those experiences um i still think back to when i was playing here and we had rod kafer as one of our players you know, teammate and he was also the backs coach at the time i certainly saw him as the backs coach whether that was his title or not um, we'd always do reviews with kafe and we'd sit down and he'd go through the whole game and just the way that he taught 
the rest of the team and the way that he ran the meetings and his brain and his knowledge, that's that's the thing that's probably rubbed off on me as a coach more than anything else. I really appreciated how he did it um, and the knowledge that he had behind him when he was doing it. So, yeah, I kind of... That's really the crux of my coaching, making sure that my knowledge is really good. I understand the game and and I present in a way that's relevant to the players. Mm. It was interesting as well. You said that you were fatigued pretty early on in your head coaching slash assistant coaching with the Wallabies as well. Um, you know, what point in time did you recognise that you were fatigued? Because sometimes you don't often know because you're just bouncing from the next and the next and the next and before you know it, three years down the track. Yeah, it was probably coming out of that period. You're right, it was exactly that. It was rolling from one program into the next and not really having time to reflect or understand what you are going through. Um and particularly coming into coaching, you know, I started in 2011 and, and head coaching in 2014 and then doing both roles in 2015. So I was effectively four years into coaching and, and now I'm 11 and a half months of the year coaching. Um, if that, I'd say probably had two weeks off, if that, where you start to prepare for the Brumbies as soon as you got out of the Wallaby program. So, yeah, there was no time to, I guess at the time, there was no time to really understand that I was fatigued it was more when I came out the back of that and started working with the Wallabies full-time um, and then more so like I said when I got over to Munster it just allowed me to be a part of a really good program over there Johan van Graan, Graham Roundtree, JP Ferreira, um, all the other coaches over there and the organisation um, you know it was set up really well and it was run extremely well um, and it gave me an opportunity to be in a program and understand what a really good program looks like and then to reflect on the previous many years that, I, that I've been coaching. And, yeah, it was, it was pretty easy to identify that I was brushing over a lot of detail that I shouldn't have been brushing over because I just didn't have the time to follow through with it. You, you've had a couple of stints being an assistant coach in the last five, five, six years, as well as being a head coach. Do you know what you prefer, head coaching or being an assistant, or could you see yourself being an assistant again? Uh, yeah, definitely. I think you, when, you, when you're jumping between the two, you, you can certainly appreciate the head coaching role a little bit more and probably when you're an assistant coach and you've been in that role as a head coach, you know how much pressure the head coach is under and how you can help him. And you also now know how you can make his job much harder. And yeah, sort of in reflection of, you know, my time as an assistant coach, I know that I've done things that have made it much harder than it should have been. And yeah, there's there's so many there's so many learnings that I've taken out of Munster, sort of working really closely with Johan van Graan um, as sort of the senior assistant coach over there, the senior coach over there. Um, I know where the pressures were coming from for him, and I know that I added to those pressures at times. Um, yeah, I, it just it was a really great experience for me to go over there and just sort of see it from a different perspective. What was the moment in time that crystallised that you wanted to come back to the Brumbies? 
because it's obviously been a, a long time in the coming. Like we knew that you'll return to the Brumbies for a long time. Yeah. Um, when when I was a player and I went over to Japan and finished up my career over there, I was constantly thinking about the opportunity missed in Australia and and how I wanted to be part of the Brumbies and how I wanted to be part of the Wallabies. Like you're watching Super Rugby games on TV over in Japan or Test matches in Japan, and it's it's that feeling that you're missing out and that you want to be a part of it. And it was no different with the coaching when I went to the Wallabies full-time. It was, you know, lots of people said I shouldn't do it. I should stay with the Brumbies, um, lots of my close friends. And I think to an extent I should have listened to them, but at the same time, like the, the amount of experience that I've gained by going there and then going overseas, I wouldn't have had that had I stayed at the Brumbies. So there are pros and cons to all of that. Um I feel when I was over there, I was constantly thinking about what I had done at the Brumbies previously and how I could change it and, and was tinkering with stuff over in Munster with the way that we were playing over in Munster and the program over in Munster, always with a view to bring it back to the Brumbies. I said it to the CEO at the time. Look, you know, when, when it was a really difficult decision between staying at the Brumbies as the head coach or going full-time with the Wallabies because because I had to choose one, I couldn't fully commit to either program and I needed to fully commit to one of the programs, particularly in a World Cup year. And I thought that was the best decision for me, just go through the World Cup and get the experience out of that. I said to the CEO at the time when I was making that decision, look, I'm going to go to the Wallabies, but I'm going to gain all this experience and wherever I end up, I'll gain even more experience. And then, and then the idea is that I come back to the Brumbies with, with all of that experience and try and get the program here humming so that we can be successful and sustainable into the future. So the whole time over in Munster, it was it was basically the idea of how can I, what can I do over here? You know, we had a, a job over there to try and win and, and so there was a fair emphasis on making sure we were playing the right way for the group of players that we had. But um, it was always in my head, in the back of my head, it was always, well, how does that transfer to the Brumbies? You must be excited about the year because it's, it's it's not too far away kickoff and you've been back in Australia for six, seven, eight months. Um, what is it? It's February 24th. It's coming up quickly. Yeah. Another trial in between that. What are a couple, a couple of things that you want to focus on before kickoff at the new Alliance? And have you been there? Um, I haven't been there yet, no, no. Um, what are the things that we want to focus on? It's so unusual this this off season for me. I guess I had the one in 2014. I had a couple before that as, as an assistant coach. Um, but as a player, um, I think all but two years I went on the spring tour at the end of the year, and so you have your four weeks off and you come back into the program. Um, but in that 2014 season that I spoke about before, I had the full pre-season with the boys and I finally had my next pre-season with the boys this year. Um, there's no pressure. It's just it's a wonderful time to be connecting with one another and work really hard. Like we we work really really hard. There's no doubt about that. Um, and you're sort of pushing the boundaries there. You're, you're picking up injuries and you know you're right on the boundary, which is great. Um, but it was it was kind of good to come out of the Irish system where it was pretty much eleven months of the year. You'd have five week break over there. Um, but you'd be playing rugby for 11 months of the year over there. So this time um, to sort of catch up with everyone, connect with people has been invaluable for me. Um, and the pressure's starting to come on now. Um, I felt it on the weekend in our first trial game. It's a trial game. 
Uh, and normally I wouldn't worry about trial games, but for whatever reason, it was it was starting to get to me a little bit. That, you know, competitions around the corner, and uh, it'll be the same this week. There'll be a few nerves there, and I guess that's what trial games are for. I just want to make sure between now and the first game that we're alleviating all that anxiety, both from a coaching group and a playing perspective, so that they can go out there and actually perform and not, not have to worry about things that might happen. Eddie Jones was spoke about he wants people to turn up at games. I'm yep. sure you've got the same feeling. Yep. Um, you would have caught up with Eddie, I dare say, in, over the weekend. Uh, yeah, we had a we had a conversation on Sunday morning post the game. We, we caught up after the game on the field and then, yeah, good conversation on Sunday morning. And you, is, there, is there bits that, you know, already he's kind of speaking to you about with your coaching development or trends or, or players or how people are working and... Yeah, we're not there at the moment. The first, the first meeting there was was certainly just about the logistics of what the season looks like, yeah. um, the run into the World Cup, um, how he can help us, how we can help them. Um, basically, you know, putting a really good program together here, having success at the Brumbies is is going to help the Wallabies. We've always traditionally worked on that model that you know when we were successful. A lot of the Wallaby core playing group actually came from the Brumbies who were kind of playing that 11 months of the year. And that's what you're seeing over in Ireland at the moment. Majority of the Irish team are actually in Leinster. Mm. They're playing in the URC, they're playing in Europe together, and then they come together and play Six Nations and test matches. And it's it's that combination that is so important. So that's really what we were speaking about on Sunday is just making sure that, that we get the combinations right. Um, that leads into success for the Brumbies, which then ultimately, hopefully, leads to success for the for the Wallabies. There are lots of Wallabies players in the Brumbies at the moment, um, but I think of guys like Noel Olaseo, who's been in and out of the Wallabies for a while. Yep. Um, how do you see his development, and how do you think that you can help um, him become the player he obviously dreams to be, which is a starting ten regularly? Yeah, it's sitting down and looking at a bit of footage. Um, he he was obviously frustrated with last season with the Wallabies sort of in and out of test matches, not really getting a consistent run there. Um, and, and that's the first thing that we would like to change down here. We've got a really good um, couple of tens in Nate Carroll and Jack Debrasini here at the moment. And Jack sort of played the trial on the weekend. And we had young Cullen Gray come off the bench. He's a young prospect for us, you know, um, someone that has huge potential um, and and will be developed over the, the next couple of years. Um, but we've really got Noah, Jack, and Nate, Car- Nate Carroll in the senior squad, and those two guys are training exceptionally well. And I thought Jack played exceptionally well on the weekend. But from a, from a perspective of developing Noah, and that's what we've got to look at it as uh, an opportunity to develop him. So he's certainly not the finished product. He knows that he he needs he's young. He needs opportunity to go out there and play and form combinations and form confidence in his own game. So we've sat down. We've looked at a lot of vision so far he's also got a mentoring role to some of these young tens in here at the moment um we you know he's been training exceptionally well he's really focused um he knows what he needs to achieve in the gym with his fitness levels um, out on the field um i think he's very keen to get out there and start playing some rugby um but that'll be the process it'll be trying to get him um as many games as possible um and try and sit down with him as much as possible to look through the video footage and make sure we're all on the same page. Mm. The Waratahs, it's always probably the biggest rivalry for the Brumbies. Um, 
Can you tell me about your feelings around the, the Waratahs? Yeah, traditionally that's that's been our biggest rival, I would say, in Australia. But we've sort of shifted a little bit more recently towards the Reds um, because the Reds have been probably a little bit more dominant than the Waratahs over recent years. Um, you're always sort of naturally attracted to beating the best team. Um, and I guess the Reds more recently have been that best team. But prior to that, it was kind of the Waratahs. Um, we had a, you know, we were we were sort of founded on a really core group of intelligent, smart, um, talented rugby players from the Canberra competition um, with the injection of these misfits and rejects from New South Wales and Queensland. We got a lot from Randwick, um, so we've got really good ties to Randwick. Um, and I think there was a point to prove, and, and maybe some of those guys that came down from Randwick were the loudest in the room. And we, we just sort of had this extra incentive in Waratah weeks to, to play well and to perform well. And it was sort of driven early doors when we, you know, we were having success against them um, at home. Um, and then, and then we were sort of, we were mixing it with them when we were away, but it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't always winning away. So it was that challenge of just trying to be better than the Waratahs early doors. And, and, and obviously the frustration that some of the players that came down to the Brumbies had with the Waratahs at the time that sort of fueled that competitive nature against them. I don't think it's changed. I think we still, like, I, I still, you know, you, you, you want to be the best team in Australia first and then you go go on to be the best team in Super Rugby. And um, I know the Waratahs this year have got a, a really young group that has developed really well over the last couple of years and um, they're, going to be, they're going to be more dangerous outfit this year than last year. So we'll still have the same passion there in terms of wanting to get one over on the Waratahs, but likewise, I'm sure that they're thinking the same. When I sat down with Darren Coleman last week, he said that Michael Hooper had told him, DC, what happens if we actually lose this first game against the Brumbies? <laughs> how, how do you feel about the first one? Is it, is it significant, as significant for the Brumbies, you think, because it's away or is it not as significant? Or Oh, no, every game is significant, I guess, where, you know, we go week to week. Our proposition is week to week that, that ideally at the end of the year we've got enough wins to get to the finals and then we take that week by week. It's... I don't want to be cliched or anything like that, but we're not really looking further ahead than the Waratahs. We're prepping everything in these trial games. We're obviously holding a bit of strategy back, um, as every team does in the trials um, for that first round. And, and we want to make sure that we are humming in that first game. And, you know, if we put everything together the way that we want to put it together, then the result should, should look after itself. But um, yeah, look, there's there's certain... I've, I've already been speaking about it. We, we've... We spoke about it because we had a game block last year where we played two trial games against the Waratahs and the Rebels last year. And, and we knew at the time, we said, this is just a trial. And we, we had the trial against them on the weekend and that was just a trial. And the, what really counts is the game in a couple of weeks' time. So, yeah, we, we've, we've got that in the back of our mind. We're building um, steadily towards that. And if we can get everything out on the field that we want to get out on the field, then it should be a good, good performance and hopefully a good win. There's some exciting, talented players in the in the back line, right throughout the forward pack. Obviously, it's, it's, as well as littered throughout it, but guys like Corey Tool have come in and showed a, a little bit of his finishing ability on the weekend. Um, 
Tom Wright was sitting on the sidelines and seemed pretty comfy next to Eddie. Um, how do you think the backline configuration will work and, and what, what kind of attack do you think we'll see more of the Stephen Larkin blueprint with the attack this time round, or how do you see that unfolding? Um, we've got, yeah, I think we've got some headaches as coaches coming into this first round. I'm certainly trying to address that in the team already that we've got really good quality players who haven't played test rugby yet that are knocking on the door at regular super rugby time, plus all these wallabies that are coming back in. So, yeah, the makeup of the back line yet to be determined. We'll see how we go in the trial this weekend, um, particularly in the outside three. I think um, there's a lot of competition in those positions. Um, yeah, the way that we're going to play, yeah, the, the, I mean, there's there's a review process that we went through from last season, um, obviously losing the semi-final and, and some of those decisions right at the end of that game could have really changed the season for us. Um, so it was you know, a really disappointing end for a lot of the players and staff. Uh, we just want to we want to try and improve on that. So there's a couple of things from an attacking perspective that we've identified at the back of last season that we want to shift our focus towards. Um, and Rod Saib as our attack coach and sort of general senior coach who sort of runs most of the training sessions, um, he's got a really good idea of of where we can improve. So I'm on board with all of that. Um, you know, when you've got really good players and you've got a really good staffing group and you've got a really good system that we know has worked over the last couple of years, it's not it's not so much coming in and changing everything. It's just making sure that we're tinkering with a couple of little things to make sure that it's better than last year. And we've certainly identified a couple of areas in our attack that we've worked really hard on pre-Christmas and post-Christmas that we think will give us really good gains in the games coming up. And do you think that Tom Banks leaving has been a fullback for a good five years for the Brumbies? Is Tom Wright likely to feature around that that space? Yeah, we'll see. There's there's good competition. Declan Meredith played exceptionally well, I thought, in the in the game block last year against the Waratahs and the Rebels. Um, I thought he had a good game on the weekend. Uh, he'd be disappointed with a couple of things out of that game, like everyone is. Um, and. This week, as you'll see in the selection this week, Tom Wright gets his opportunity to start the game at fullback. Um, but then there's other guys that can play in that position. Jesse Mogg, Andy Muirhead, Ben O'Donnell, Corey Toole also has the ability to play fullback. So, yeah, like I said before, there's there's a lot of competition in the outside backs in terms of the 11, 14 and 15 spot that will uh, be determined, I guess, at the end of next week, um, leading into that Waratahs week. We'll sort of have a training session on the Sunday um, and on the Monday, we'll know what our team is and we'll sort of go from there. And just finally, how do you get away from rugby? Is it is it walking your dogs? I know you've got one or two of them. One. Yeah. One, one, yeah. Is 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 that an important thing for you to, to clear the head at times? Yeah, she's an expensive dog. Trying to get a dog back from Ireland when there's only one carrier out of the country. Um, there's a bit of price gouging there. So she's, she's a very lucky dog. Um, yeah, certainly that. That's that's a everyday sort of a thing. So whether it's first thing in the morning, you know, sort of five o'clock in the morning or whether it's uh, five o'clock in the afternoon or depending on when I get home, sometimes eight o'clock at night. Uh, you sound like Eddie by the second, four o'clock, five o'clock. Hey? I'm not quite, I don't think I'm as bad as Eddie yet. <laughs> but there's certainly been some long hours. Um, yeah, because there is a bit of change in the program and, and change takes time to... to to become normal, so it's it's there's a fair bit of work that's had to be done 
um, over the last period of time. But getting away from the game, yeah, it's with if it's with the dog, um, and it's just generally being around the family. So two daughters now and a wife um, who struggle to find time to spend with me. Um, so, well, I'm, I'm the one struggling to find the time. So, yeah, the challenge is to try and get away from the office and leave the computer at the office and then and, and literally just switching off when I get home by um, concentrating on them for a little bit. Speaking of switching off, thanks for your time. Appreciate it and good luck for the year. Thanks, Christine.